Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. It is May 21st, 2018, and I'm joined here live in Washington, D.C., in the offices of the Weekly Standard studio with Eric Felt. It's already May 21st, 2018. It is. How'd that happen? I don't know. You, 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 you look around and a month's gone. Well, the, that's the funny thing is we, we live in this era I'd, I've, I've described as living in dog years because you'll look back a month uh, a month ago and think of all the things that have happened. God, that was only a month. I mean, I'm in, I'm in the stage now where on Friday I have to make notes and go back. Did, was that this week? Did that actually happen on Monday? Yeah, and I, I don't quite understand why so many journalists are so bent out of shape by Trump. He is helping to create the most journalist-friendly environment I can imagine in, in, in my career, which is to say stuff is happening all the time. There's something to write about, to talk about every day. And but if you, you want a break make, once in a while. Yeah, but, you know. Well, this and today is not one of those days where we get a break. No, no. At, at all. So let's talk about the, the no latest. for the wicked. Oh, none. Um, the, the, the president tweets out over the weekend that he was directing the Department of Justice to engage in an investigation into whether or not his campaign was spied on, which is really the first time that he has specifically at least publicly, told the Justice Department what to do. So uh, is this just a continuation of the president's attack on this on the special prosecutor in the investigation or or are we are we in a new phase? Well, it's not really a direct attack on the on the special prosecutor, on the special counsel, no. Robert Mueller. Um, because he's what the president is calling for is some kind of investigation into the investigations that were being done before he was elected and then once he had been elected. Um, So long before Mueller was ever on the scene. Um, But, uh, you know, it's as as the Wall Street Journal has has put it, Trump has taken this issue and kind of belly flopped into it, which is what he <laughs> what he does. And the fact that the president, his tendency is to bluster and belly flop into issues doesn't mean that the issue isn't a relevant issue. I mean, if we had learned that George W. Bush's administration mm. had was sending undercover operatives to um, make conversation with, say, Jeremiah Wright, mm. Um, and building an investigation, seeing if there was any reason for an investigation into Barack Obama, and this became known, it would be a scandal of momentous proportions. So I I think that that it is relevant to look into how an investigation into a presidential candidate um, was begun and was acted upon, um, whether the the Department of Justice are the right people to investigate mm-hmm. the Department of Justice. Um, uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah. So I, I have an almost completely different view on this. I'm not that, surprised. Well, the, it, because first of all, what should the FBI have done if they believe, in fact, there was Russian attempts to turn some of these folks? Uh, Carter Page had been on the radar screen for years and years and years, and they had yeah, reason Yeah, but what to, was he on the radar screen for? Well, he was on the radar screen for being um, approached by Russian Russian operatives who apparently were trying to turn him. At least these are the allegations. They, and again, right, right, right. But, yeah. but again, yeah. but again yeah. let's, let's say some Russian operatives approached you because they wanted to control um, the Daily Standard podcast, right? That may or may not have happened. 
and and these people approach you, try, just tried to make nice with you, mm-hmm. and then they were discussing it in their conversations among themselves that the FBI overhears. Um, that doesn't say anything about you until we have some evidence that Carter Page in some way welcomed or participated, right. which I have not seen and I have not heard. You know, we, but what we do hear all the time mm-hmm. is Carter Page was on the radar of the FBI. Mm-hmm. You know, at what point do we say people are not guilty merely because the FBI decides to take an interest well, uh, in them? Yeah, no, but no one's saying that. What we're saying is that if the FBI thinks that there might be a legitimate counter, um, you know, a counterintelligence uh, issue. Should it or should it not investigate? And, and what percentage of investigations like this might involve uh, a cooperating informant? And I think the, the spoiler alert is pretty much all of them. So I guess my question, though, is, is this a—you seem to think this is a legitimate issue. I, I think that, that clearly what's happening— is that this investigation, and again, we, we have to keep repeating it. We don't know what Bob Mueller knows. Um, it is much broader, much deeper than we had any idea. Just over the weekend, we had the information about another meeting with, with Don, Donald Trump Jr. and Trump Tower with some folks from the Middle East. We don't know. We don't know. But, but we, we don't know. It's clearly broader. We don't much know that broader. it's deeper. Well, we know that the, you almost need the Kerry Matheson wall to connect all of the dots, whether or not we're talking just about a conspiracy um, involving the, the Russians to to uh, to flip our election or, or, to, or to engage in our election, whether or not uh, the president of the United States might be compromised, whether or not you had a pattern of financial corruption involving money laundering, um, whether or not um, we might have pay to play. Again, we don't know a lot of things. But what does seem to be clear is that this president has been conducting a rather open, not covert, attempt to obstru- either obstruct this investigation or to distract this invest- from this investigation um, or to plant so many doubts in the public's mind that the, the results are discredited before they come out. Is, is, that, a, is that a fair? Uh, well, look, I, uh, I wrote a piece for the yeah. Weekly Standard um, a couple of months ago saying that, this, uh, that any possible impeachment trial mm-hmm. coming up was, was shaping up to be the OJ trial again. <laughs> it's and a the, very good analogy. And the, the idea being that um, that errors made by the FBI and DOJ would be blown up into a conspiracy that would discredit the entire operation. You were prophetic. Much, much as uh, the police misconduct in the OJ's case was, you know, just generic um police sloppiness that yeah. they could get away with in most cases, but not when you had serious lawyers involved. Well, that and, and you know. Uh, well, that's a, that's a very good so, analogy but, because, it, because they often you will find you put the police, if, if the facts are against you, then you, you put the police on trial, which is what right. the OJ narrative was. Except, except it appears to me that there's more to question the FBI about than than I would have thought when I was being prophetic about the, the OJ trial. I mean, what's really fascinating is we, we now know a lot, uh, not only from Daily Caller reporting from mm-hmm. starting in March, but then the New York Times and the Washington right. Post um, Friday um, about the informant. Whatever you do, don't call him a spy, yeah. right? The, the informant that the FBI was using 
to um, go after a few members of the um, of, of the Trump team. And what we do know is that um, uh, the informant um, reached out to people like George Papadopoulos. Mm-hmm. And when he reached out to Papadopoulos, he... Clovis. Yeah. Uh, Clovis, and then also mm-hmm. to Carter Page. Yeah. Um, what's really interesting is that he doesn't seem to have been very good at his informant role. Um, well, it, which is another way of saying that that his role in this entire investigation is de minimis, that in fact he did have no significant role to play. He did not apparently get any information that was right. actionable see, or uh, usable in but, this investigation. But, but what's interesting yep. is, um, you know, the way it's played in in the New York Times is mm-hmm. that um, that Papadopoulos, who had drunkenly spoken to uh, an Australian diplomat about Russian emails, when asked by the special uh, by the um, informant, the FBI's informant, about you know what do you know about Russian emails and yes. Papadopoulos, uh, I don't know anything about Russian emails. Yeah. This is presented not as some kind of evidence that Papadopoulos was not engaged in anything with the Russians, but merely that his engagement was such that he was lying to his new friend who was paying him. Or he was suspicious. Right. Um, or he was his antenna. So the, the issue um, of, of revealing his, his name, this apparently is, is of great concern to the FBI and to yeah, law and enforcement. It's, it's completely phony concern. I mean, it's phony how do we, concern. Now, how do we know that? I think it's phony concern because you have the New York Times and the, and the Washington right. Post both having been kind of spoon-fed this material by the FBI. Well, we it's, don't know that either. It's it's pretty clear from but the we Washington. don't we don't know that. Well, okay. Yeah. You know, we'll we'll only talk about the the Post and the Times on on this. Well, uh, let me tell you what I what I've heard though, that from from people close not, not not in law enforcement but saying, look, the real concern is not because this guy's role in this campaign was was relatively minimal. But as a confidential informant, he may be involved in other investigations involving the Russians, and you're about to blow um, investigations that may have nothing to do, do you, with do the you Trump think, campaign. Do you think the Russians didn't know who he was? Well, I don't know. I'm just telling you no, what no, their concerns here's, here's are. Here's the thing. is no. his, his name has been in descriptions of, of this um, events for months yeah. now. And the New York Times and the Washington Post both in, were being rather coy right. because what they were doing is they were describing him. But they've identified him in all They've respects, identified yeah. him in all but name, but then made a big deal about how, oh, you couldn't possibly identify him because that would put him at risk. Well, if you were really concerned about what risk you were putting him at, you would not describe him as a, an American <laughs> professor in Britain who had worked for the CIA? Yeah. You know the the man. It, the it's man, sort, of, sort of like those old those superheroes would, would would disguise themselves by wearing glasses or, or just like right. a little mask across the eyes because you would never know who it was otherwise, right? Exactly. No. Well, um, Rod Rosenstein, um, depending on how you want to look at it, either caved in or um, strategically bent very very quickly, uh, responded to the president's quote unquote Twitter directive by saying that they would expand the the ongoing um, IG investigation to look at whether or not anything appropriate was 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 done. Two schools of thought on this. Um, the red alert uh, school of thought is, oh my God, a red line has been crossed. The Justice Department is in fact caving into the president's uh, improper suggestion. The other one is that Rod Rosenstein was being uh, 
strategically smart by appearing to go along with this, not opening a criminal investigation, but at least not triggering what might be a Saturday night massacre, that by doing this, he makes it less likely that Trump will fire him and Mueller and therefore keeps the investigation alive. What's your take? Well, who knows? Yeah, well, that's... I, I mean, you know, it's, it, it's all very possible. I mean, um, all I can say is Trump notwithstanding... Yes, there are probably times and places when the FBI should be investigating a, a Manchurian candidate, yeah. right? But you have to have a damn good reason to, to, to cross that line. Right. That, that's a line to be crossed itself. And the question is, did the FBI have good enough reason to begin this investigation? And that's, a, leg that's a legitimate question. It's a question. legitimate question. Yeah. Of, of and, course, and, of course, and, not as, not as, not as. Okay, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is, if they were really dead serious about this being a threat, mm -hmm. the guy they sent as an informant to have a few drinks and ask, "Hey, by the way, do you know anything about Russian emails?" and then gets grumpy when Papadopoulos says no, and that's the end of it. That's it. Right, that's a really half-assed investigation. Yeah, yeah. So we have See, on the Americans, they're 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 much more aggressive. Have you notice that? I mean, yeah. you know, on on the TV series, they, right? There they, they would there would be but, another but here, episode. Let me let me let me pose you a yeah. question. A question, yeah. which is, if if this matter were so serious that you had to cross the line into doing a uh, confidential informant mm -hmm. during a campaign, mm -hmm. right? If it were so dead serious that you had to cross that line. Wouldn't you send a confidential informant who was dead serious? Wouldn't you do a, a, a more serious investigation than just getting a FISA warrant on Carter Page of all of all well, people? Well, that's that I think is a completely legitimate question. I, I by the way, am, I'm a little skeptical about whether that crossed a line because it strikes me as as pretty standard counterintelligence uh, counterintelligence operating pr procedure, and that. Um, but I want to go back to this question. Is it appropriate or inappropriate for the president of the United States to direct the, uh, the, direct the Department of Justice to open a criminal investigation into an investigation into the investigation of, of himself? Is that, is that appropriate, that, that, that event over the weekend? Um, I don't know. Well, he's, it's, it, it is, I think it's within his constitutional power. Right. But there's something different between what you have the power to do and what is appropriate to do. Right. If the president, but, because but, because it, up until now, remember, Trump has said that that so far he is not getting involved with the Department of Justice, and that seemed over the weekend to change when he directs them who they are going to in investigate. So in terms of appropriateness and appropriateness and norms, maybe nothing will come of this. Maybe Rosenstein will finesse this by being able to just put you know roll this into the the IG investigation. But it is something that's kind of a reminder that if the president of the United States wants to order criminal investigations of people that he, you know, finds politically inconvenient or political opponents, he may be able to do that, at least constitutionally, if not appropriately. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that the perhaps more problematic um, tweets over the weekend are was, was him getting back into his, you know, litigating the Hillary email question. Um, because that's that smacks more of um, here is a specific target um, to be investigated as opposed to 
the demand that there be an investigation into the investigation is not a targeting of an individual. Yeah. So the the other um, odd odd story that I'm we're, we're trying to sort out even as we're we're, we're sitting here, uh, Rudy Giuliani says that that he had been told that Bob Mueller was going to wrap up the investigation by September 1st. New York Times runs a big story about that. The investigation's wrap wrap up by September 1st. Giuliani says now Reuters is reporting. No, that that's completely made up. It, it it's not it's not true at at all. So here's another one of those things that we don't actually know. But again, we kind of have a track record that with Rudy Giuliani, a lot of what he says, you know, you can you can discount. Some of what he says is obviously going look, to be look, true. But how do you Giul- tell? Giul- yeah. Giuliani's role is clearly not simply legal. Oh, clearly, right? Yeah, it's it's a public relations role, but he's also in a position to try to make things so by saying them. Right. This is what philosophers of language call performative authority. Um, umpires have performative authority in baseball, mm-hmm. which is the player is not out until the umpire says he's out, Correct. even if there if, if the the play was clearly That's another tagged, good analogy, right? So Giuliani is trying to exercise performative authority by saying things in order to make them so, or at the, at the very least, to create the pressure on the special counsel to wrap up his endeavor. I can tell you, this special counsel is not going to wrap up the endeavor, and I, and and it, I can give you a specific yeah. reason for for why this is the case, which is um, the special counsel's office is simply not ready. They do not have their act together. Um, I mean, we don't know that much about what goes on at the special counsel's mm-hmm. office. Um, if they've been leaking it all, they've been doing it very subtly. There's not a lot of information that comes right. from that very shop. Buttoned up. So. The only thing that we can see from is basically when there are court proceedings of one sort or another. The most interesting court proceeding um, involving the special counsel's office so far has been the 13 Russians and three Russian companies that were indicted. And if you look at who was indicted, it was the Russian individuals and companies that had been basically reported on in various news outfits. You really got the impression that that the choice of targets for these indictments was based more on information that was publicly available in the press than it was based on investigations that were done by the prosecutors themselves. So that may have been a PR move. Whether it was a PR move or whether it was a reasonable move to say, you know, we're we're going to these are the people we have at least have reason to think we're we're clearly involved because of the reporting. Yeah. Um, but the the problem is that for for the special counsel is that um, one of those businesses sent a lawyer uh, to to say, okay, it was this last week? This was last week mm-hmm. before. Yeah, okay. last week. Um, I went to the hearing and um, to to the arraignment, and the special counsel's office was clearly not prepared. And the lawyer for the Russian business, uh, who's a um, at a at a very capable you know white shoe law firm here in mm-hmm. in, in D.C., they uh, called for the right of speedy trial. <laughs> all right, and what became clear 
is that the special counsel's office, even though they had brought an indictment, they're not ready to prosecute. Well, they never that thought case. they were going to go through with that, right? Right. Because those guys were never going to come to this country. They figured that they could just put it out there without necessarily preparing for an actual trial. Exactly. Wow. But so what we do know, because we've been at the arraignment and we've seen the special counsel's office in action, is that they're not ready for trial yet. And if they're not ready for trial yet on the stuff they've brought indictments about, what does that tell you about their ability to wrap up in some kind of speed? Well, they may fashion? be ready for the Manafort case. They, they're going to have to do that within a relatively short period of time. Yeah. and they, uh, Assuming that it goes ahead. Right. Um, but again, you know, whether they've been putting all of their efforts into Manafort and, and not into the Russians because they didn't anticipate that they were going to have to actually prosecute that case— um, we'll we'll find out how ready they are yeah. for, well, for a man of I, that that that's actually an interesting point. I think that uh, you know anytime you hear anyone speculating about a, an artificial deadline, you you know that they're probably pushing the known facts because prosecutors generally don't operate in in that particular world. I mean, clearly there's got to be the consciousness of how close you get to the election. You know, given what happened last time, that they're going to, you know, not want to. You would, you would assume that they might want to not drop something right before the election. But again, this is one of the, you know, another things that we don't know. The so other, they go past the election, right? They could, they could possibly go past the election, possibly. Yeah. No, I mean, that almost I, certainly. Well, and I'm, and I'm talking about the 2020 election. Oh well. Given given the shelf life of some of these investigations, how many years they've gone on, and and as I mentioned how, before, how, Lawrence Walsh, how many years exactly, he, was it? Eight? Uh, it felt like at, it. Was, at least six. At least six. Know, which is amazing. What, what was the? Um, he was the, he was about to no, Fitzgerald it, case. How long did that go? That was that went like four years, didn't it? It went years. Which and that was a relatively simple case. And that was a relatively simple case in which Patrick Fitzgerald Patrick. knew that Scooter Libby was not the guy who had leaked. I, I still don't understand that one. I understand it. it, it but why 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 would it have taken that long? Well, it's it is the nature of special counsels, independent prosecutors, you know. They're, they're, they go on and on. They and on. go on and on. They they expand their mandate. Look, we can we can um, be worried about the way in which Trump is, you know, going about his pushback on mm-hmm. special counsels. But our experience of special counsels is they almost always become abusive and um, unending. Well, that that's certainly possible. I, I I'm I'm concerned about the the nature of the pushback, which the the rolling obstruction of justice here, but also. I, I, you know, as, as as somebody who, and you were covering this case as well, the lack of focus on the underlying, let's leave, almost leave the Trump campaign out of it. Where is the focus on the fact that what did the Russians do? What, in fact, was the nature of their attack? What steps have we taken to prevent it from happening again? What is the level of our vulnerability? Not to mention the sort of, and these are just suggestions well, rather than well, evidence well, of, of, say, you know, Michael, let me just say, my, my, Michael Cohen's gets all the attention because of Stormy Daniels. I'm more concerned about the fact that the president's personal lawyer is basically a mobbed up lawyer who seems to, everywhere he turns around, has some sort of a connection to not just the mob, but the Russian mob. So again, I don't know where this is going, but I don't think it's going to be wrapped up anytime soon. And and where where is he Russian mobbed up? Well, I'm just the the the, the, prof, the profile of of Michael Cohen's dealings in the past 
that almost every major one of his clients seemed to have some sort of a one of these. Again, this is the Kerry Matheson wall of of connections. This guy, this guy, this guy. More suggestive than anything else. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm. And whether prone, this conne- and whether this connects to to, yeah, to yeah. being. Uh, I, I think there's plenty enough to be critical of Cohen on him, you know, sort of cashing in at, in ridiculous ways sure. uh, on his uh, association with the president. Yeah, but that just that's just a, a low life sleaze, which I think he's going to turn out to be. But but that's the question is, does how does this relate to what the Russians did? What was the nature of the Russian engagement? Because, again, we're not talking about a semen-stained address here. We're not talking about right. who said what to whom. These, these issues actually are major. And, you know, part of my, I guess, concern about the distraction is when you think about the big picture, what is being investigated, these are legitimate things that we ought to want to know the answer to. We, we do, do need to know the answer to all of these questions, and they're fundamental questions. Well, we, we do know— some of what Russia was up to. Right. All right. And what's interesting about it is that um, some of it had an impact, which is if we believe that the hacking of the DNC emails was done by the Russians, um, then that had some impact. It, it, uh, you know, was significant and and it's a serious crime. Yeah. It's a serious crime. Um, But what's what's interesting is the other thing that the, the Russians were we're up to, which is, you know, getting phony Facebook accounts. Um, there, we don't know how much impact. No, we don't. Their their advertisements, and we may had. never know that. And we may never. But no. but basically, given the money they spent and the clumsiness of the ads, yeah. the the chance that it had any impact at oh, all. No, I, I don't. Is, no. is almost, but, 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 but I don't think no, you need no, to make, look, you don't need to make that point. I don't think you need to make the case that it actually affected the election or delegitimized, which I don't make that case. But clearly, and, and the, I guess my concern is that the next election, you know, it's, are we going to, are we going to be the generals who fight the next war? Yeah, but here's the thing. The, ne- the weapons will you, be better. You have to, you have to un- recognize what, what actually had impact if you're going to put your resources into stopping the things that matter. Well, sure. Okay? And if we look at the one thing that we can actually gauge from the Russian Facebook efforts is when they tried to put together public events and encourage people to come, right? And so they pretended to be a pro, you know, part of the Trump world and to call together a campaign rally to get people to come and wave and the, the campaign rally was Florida-wide to get people to come to given street corners and wave Trump signs. There's video footage of those Trump phony, the, the phony Russian-inspired Trump campaign events. And there's like 10 people. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And so it's clear. But that doesn't make it any less of a conspiracy. It well, it depends if I mean conspiracy in the sense that um, that you had Russian people working for okay. a Russian company, but, but not, this is not cons- see, see, are I, you I, saying I, I, are you I, I, saying I, I, conspiracy with Americans? Well, yes, if that that's what they're investigating. Right, well, that's of course what the, the focus, and we don't know what the answers are. But that's the trivial element. But 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 well, we haven't well, seen we haven't seen well, anything to suggest that that Trump's. That Trump or his any Trump people had anything to do 
with those Facebook accounts. No, we have we have no evidence of that. On the other hand, let's take this to the other end of this, though. You know, the the the, the story over the weekend about the latest um, the latest Trump Tower meeting, and again, we're running out of time here, but. The, the question of, you know, did these ties affect American foreign policy? The 500-pound gorilla in the room being, why is Donald Trump, the president of the United States, so reluctant ever to criticize Vladimir Putin? What is going on there? Now, again, we don't know the answer to this, but if, in fact, any of this— You know this what the dossier spec- says. Well, I understand what the dossier says, and some of that dossier, you know, might be bogus. I don't buy the, you know, the, the, the P-tape stuff, but— Oh, um, the, the P-tape is the only part that I'm actually willing to credit. Oh, and, but here's the thing. So, so the we're seeing the foreign policy flip, you know, with Saudi Arabia and Qatar. D- is there any connection between that and, you know, some of the campaign? No, we don't know the answer to that. But it's important to know, and these are non-trivial issues. If, in fact, the president of the United States has been compromised, if, in fact, anyone in his circle conspired with a foreign power, if, in fact, there has been pay to play, these are not de minimis issues. Right. These are, and, and that's, that's my concern. It's certainly possible to look at the triviality and the, the ineptness of the Facebook pages, but there are issues that there, and there ought to be a bipartisan consensus saying, okay, if, in fact, we were, because I'm old enough to remember, you know, when conservatives and Republicans would have regarded an attack or an attempt to undermine our political process by the Russians to be a pretty big deal not something that would divide along partisan lines. Right, although, again, if we're gonna stretch the definition of, of you know, action by the Russians, then it, would it be of concern if one candidate were paying for opposition research that was being acquired from top Kremlin operatives? Well, uh, the, everything here is of concern. I'm, I'm saying yes. because yes. that, that is the definition of what the Clinton campaign did with the dossier. Well, that that was spying. Yeah, they, that that but, was that but, was well, spying. It's it. We don't know. We don't know whether there were real sources for that or not. But the sources that are claimed in the dossier yeah. are top. Kremlin officials are who are claimed for the claims within the dossier, for example, that Putin and Trump had an eight-year-long conspiracy going to throw the election. I mean, yeah, do you do you believe bit, no. do you believe Trump is capable of an eight-year-long conspiracy? I, I don't think he has that kind of an attention span. And do you think that that Putin but is I, so brilliant that he could see eight years ahead of time? But I will Trump say, but elected? I will say that there are the the uh, the unknown the known unknowns about the relationship between those two is profoundly disturbing. There, I mean, this is. And even after um, it became controversial, I was just l- listening again last night to, to a tape where um, Bill O'Reilly, of all people, is asking Donald Trump, do you respect Vladimir Putin? Yes, but he's a killer. Well, we kill a lot of people, too. It's like, whoa, this is like, I mean, that, that's going, that is going far out there. So, um, Eric, I, I guess, the, the, you know— have one I of been a, an unsatisfying guest? No, no, no. This has been very, very interesting. I, I guess also one of the bottom lines that I happen to have is that with all of these questions that are raised, and I'm not saying they're not legitimate, is there any reason to believe that Bob Mueller, anything in his background, anything in his character or his record, 
that makes you think that he will not be an honest broker, that, that you know, at the end of the day, he will sort through what is true, what is false, you know, the, the, the unsupportable, the trivial, and that he will, because his job, of course, is to deal in the truth and the facts and, and the law. Is there any reason to believe that he himself has been compromised in some fundamental way? Or even I, incidental way. I have no reason to doubt the integrity of Bob Mueller, but I, what I do have reason and plenty of um, mm-hmm. evidence to doubt is the ability of people who are put in the role of special counsel, special prosecutor, independent counsel, whatever the, over the various years the, the terminology has been, to um, to overcome the peculiar and and so, distorting he, pressures so he of might that be corrupted role. by the role the role the role is hugely corrupting i mean we did have um you know an independent counsel law that was what um ind- independent prosecutor law yeah. under that, that ken Starr was was authorized under and that law was taken away with bipartisan approval basically on the recognition that you cannot have someone who answers to nobody in a position of such power. And that is, it, it, it proves with all sorts of people to be a problem. Do I have any reason to yeah. think that Bob Mueller is a bad guy or he's not capable of withstanding those pressures? Well, I, I have no, nothing to say about Bob Mueller, but I do have something to say about special counsels, right. which is... Well, of course, this is not the same kind of a special counsel deal because that, that law is gone, and, and the rules he operates under now require him to get the approval of the Department of Justice, and he doesn't have the, the eternal um, you know, lifespan, um, although it, it may turn out to be eternal, that some of those other counsels have. But I do think it is relevant that, that it is this particular uh, investigator who... Uh, was head of the FBI for 10 years. So um, yeah, while, while if, other people but, might not be big enough for the role... Yeah, except then, what does that tell you if if um, if the question of the investigation starts becoming one of the White House versus the FBI, which it, it is shaping up to be? Right, because that's the tactic that they have decided to, to, right, to right. delegitimize we have, American we law have, enforcement. We have seen people recuse themselves for lesser things that, you know, whether it's legitimate or not, if you end up with a contest um, between two parties and a prosecutor or a judge has longtime affiliation and association with one of the parties, whether... that conflict is legitimate or not, yeah, the, but here, the judge here, or the yeah, prosecutor see, is still in a position to have to decide, do I have a conflict of interest? The, the, the awful, you know, part of the awfulness, at least from my point of view here, is that you take these two men, Donald Trump and Bob Mueller, in terms of scales of integrity, of trustworthiness, of, of, of honesty, of all of those things, they're not even on the same continuum. And yet... What we have is a, a significant political effort, which we've been talking about for the last half hour, um, to, 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 to somehow, you know, a, a phrase I used last week, you know, flatten the moral landscape they, for, that, that let's not point out that Bob Mueller is a man of, of really unimpeachable uh, integrity. And, and yes, all the points you made, and I, I understand all of that, but, I, but if I, we I'm also... Gonna, under- I'm going to offer one yeah, yeah, impeachment, okay. Okay. which is 
His name really should be pronounced Mueller, and he insists on it being Mueller, and I'm confused by this. Uh, I, I can, can you trust a man who insists that his name be pronounced the wrong way? Uh, you know, I have nothing on that one. I, got, I have nothing. Eric, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it very much. And thank you for listening to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back again and do this again tomorrow.